The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. I'm your host, Gary Putnick, and boy howdy, are we going to be watching one heck of a football game this Saturday, for better or for worse, when Florida State takes on Clemson. We'll get into that rivalry game along with Florida State's loss at NC State this past weekend. We also have a lot from the weekend in the NFL and the NBA. But first, as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host Austin Reynolds. Austin, did you watch the Masters this sun this weekend? I did not. It is not out of contempt or dislike for golf. I'm perfectly fine with it. It's just it just was not my priority uh, Saturday or Sunday. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm disappointed. It was such a good time. Are I'm, you surprised, though? No, I'm not I'm not surprised. And Sebastian, I'll ask the same question to you. We can start really off this whole first segment with some Masters talk. Did you watch the Masters? I'll be completely honest. I actually did for a little yes. bit on Friday. So I saw a, a bit of the second round, and I, I think I tuned in at a pretty good time because I, I, I tuned in, and uh, Bryson Zichembo was taking his shot, and he lost it. He, he lost the ball in the rough. And he spent the better, and uh, the ESPN broadcast spent the better part of five minutes just following him around while he was frantically searching for this ball and getting a, uh, a bit more irate by the passing minute. I think you get how long do you get in order to find your ball before they call it off as a lost ball? I think it's like five minutes, right? So it used to be five minutes, but then I believe in 2018 or 2019, the USGA switched it to three minutes in order to speed up the games. So, like there was a few rules that they implemented, and it was like you can leave. It's okay now to leave in the flag stick when you putt. You can do all these things, and they made that search time down to three minutes. So all for the best, really, especially if you're a D- Bryson DeChambeau hater like myself. Huh, they're speeding so, up the game. What are they going to do next, a swing clock? The, the, okay, so <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. There is actually um, if there is a pace of play rule in golf. So like if you do take some t- too long to uh, hit the ball or you're holding up a lot more people behind you, you uh-huh. will be issued a warning, and then I believe it's a second warning, and then on that third one you get a stroke penalty. Oh. So you can actually be penalized for pace of play. Wow. So, yeah, but other than that, it was a really fun weekend of golf. I mean, I Dustin Johnson won uh, by five strokes over Cam Smith with a score of 20 under. Really impressive stuff from Dustin. That was his second major. Um, his first one came quite a while back, but he finally got the job done. He has a history of being cho- a perennial choker when it comes to majors, but he finally got the job done, and he did not blow this one. It was getting close kind of towards the end of the third or Going into the weekend, he was close with Dustin John or Justin Thomas and a few other guys up there, but he really separated himself on Saturday with that uh, round of 65. And then Sunday, he was clinical once again, and the conditions only favored him really when it was soft and there wasn't any more bite left to that course. So he had one heck of a weekend. And if you want to go back, I'd highly recommend going back and watching that round or just any round of his from that weekend because it really was a great weekend of golf. And I'm excited because in six months or so, we're going to be right back there in Augusta watching the Masters again. And hopefully there will be some fans because it kind of did suck. Like, did you guys, like, were you guys expecting something like this out of a Masters where with no fans or? Well, I wasn't surprised to not find fans there, Gary. Of course, I was yeah. disappointed to not see patrons there. Oh, uh, uh, see, there you go. <laughs> yes, you got me. Thank you. Corrected me on that one. I corrected you guys last week, but thank you for correcting me there. But uh, it was... It's it just it was cool to see it without uh, patrons because it's a course that you don't get to see in its raw beauty like that. You always see it with hordes of patrons out there. 
but now we got to see it kind of just every little inch of the course that you don't see too often and so that was nice but it's one thing that you just need to see one time i'd rather be watching that with a ton of fans out there and hearing tiger uh hearing roars after when tiger makes a birdie sadly he didn't do that on 12 on sunday he made a 10 but we can talk about golf a whole lot later but I think we need to get into the other event of the weekend, and that was Florida State football, and their loss to their pretty bad loss to the NC State Wolfpack in uh, Raleigh. They fell by the score of 38 to 22, and Treble got his first start. Uh, awesome! What did you see out of Treble on his first start there? Honestly, I was more impressed than I was with any of his past game action. Obviously, the Louisville 0 for 9 performance is nothing to really get excited about, but. He had a couple of good throws, a couple of long runs towards the end of the game, honestly in garbage time, so I'm not sure how much we can take from that. But uh, he did go 15 of 23 for 181 yards and two touchdowns. Did not have a, uh, a turnover in this game, so pretty pretty exciting stuff. For, not exciting, but <laughs> encouraging stuff from him, uh, despite the pretty lopsided loss. Yeah, he did look a lot better. I'll give him that. Like I've been getting on him for those past for these past couple of weeks about his play. And he's looked better this week. And especially with that long pass on Terry Wilson in the second yes. half, that gave me a little bit more confidence in his arm and what he has in there. But this team didn't give up necessarily. They got down pretty big. They got down 21-3 to at the end of the first half. But then they came back and they won the second half, 19-17. to So that is encouraging in a way. This was looking like a very lopsided loss going into the fourth quarter when it was about, what is that, 28-35 35 to 9. So yeah. really not looking too good. But then they got a couple touched. Then they started to look a little bit better and they turned it around that fourth quarter. So maybe you could say it was NC State taking their foot off the gas pedal, but I'd rather see Florida State try and put up some points rather than them just lying back and saying, "Okay, we lost this one. Let's get it on to next week." They really wanted to get that experience and like I said last week, they had about 78% of their roster as uh freshman or first-year players. So this is that youth movement coming about. And I know Norvell said it's not a youth movement. They're really just trying to play the best players they have. But do you think this is really the best roster Florida State has? I don't know if it's the best roster. I mean, with some of the, the injuries and departures that came within the past week, uh, obviously Jordan Travis was injured, Tamari and Terry no longer with the team, Devontae Love-Taylor and Marvin Wilson not going to play the rest of the year. Uh, it's entirely possible that the guys that filled those spots were the best at their position. And the same could be said for really any other position on this team. Uh, if the coaching staff deems that freshman and sophomore players are better than some of the upperclassmen at those same positions, then by all means, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to commit to this youth movement. Yeah, and necessarily I didn't think they played poorly for no. a youth movement. It's what you would expect, especially with Bailey Hawkman, who's now about 21, maybe 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Him, that's what you should look like at that point going up against freshmen. It should be that sort of uh, disparity when it comes to talent. But they didn't play terribly, and it really did show. So I'm I'm happy with it, but what do you think? You mentioned the players, Devontae Love-Taylor on the offensive line, Tamorian Terry, wide receiver, and then defensive end Marvin Will or defensive lineman Marvin Wilson. Which one of those three will be missed the most? I would say, honestly, Devontae Love-Taylor, because on, a, on an already struggling offensive line, he was definitely the uh, the most consistent performer there. So uh, even if uh, some of the younger guys are able to step up and fill his spots uh, decently well, uh, just the consistency that he was able to bring to that group of five is going to be sorely missed. I mean, Marvin Wilson would have been the ob obvious answer a couple weeks ago, maybe, but he's been largely quiet this season. And then Terry, I mean, he's just been dealing with so many injuries recently that it's hard to count on him to have those hundred some odd yard games, those those 
deep catches that we're so used to seeing from him. So I think it's Devontae Love-Taylor for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And the offensive line, they didn't play that bad either. They only gave up three sacks this weekend, and they only had three QB hurries, or Chubb only had three QB hurries that game. So not necessarily that bad considering what we saw against Pitt, but granted, Pitt was the, or is the best defensive line in the nation, arguably. Mm -hmm. So it's tough to say there. So maybe there's a little bit of a bright side. Maybe they're going to start getting some confidence heading into the rest of their games, but it's kind of, <laughs> not this weekend. It's kind of tough when you're looking down the barrel that is Clemson football heading into Tallahassee this weekend. But what was something out of? Uh, let's talk a little bit about, about Bailey Hockman because this is now the second quarterback that we're seeing this year that was a floor, a quote Florida State quarterback for a bit, or at least well, he was actually here, unlike uh, Chuck, or unlike um, Sam Howell. Yeah, unlike Sam Howell. So, what did you see out of him? Because last time FSU played them in Doe Campbell, he didn't look too hot. Yeah, I was I was honestly expecting more of the same, and probably shame on me for expecting the same kind of performance from a guy with another year of experience under his belt, but he looked very seasoned, which, as you said earlier, should be expected of him. He is 21, 22-ish years old, going up against a largely younger team in, in Florida State, especially on defense. So he looks great there, had a couple nice tosses early in the game. Uh, there was... I think like the 20 or 20 some odd yard uh, touchdown throw in these the first quarter to put uh, NC State up 14 nothing. I, I forget who that was to, but uh, that was phenomenal. He had a bunch of great throws, especially on that first drive. Like the scripted drive could not have gone a whole lot worse or a whole lot better for NC State. So he was really consistent. Did have the one between the legs interception that was incredible by Jarvis Brownlee, but other than that, he was really without a blemish. That's play. I that's FSU's play of the year right now yeah. for me. I mean, like if you, I think ACC Network tweeted out, so go check their Twitter or their Instagram because I'm sure it's out there because it is really tough to describe it, and we wouldn't be doing it any sort of justice mm -hmm. by giving you our play by play here on radio. But Bailey Hockman's been having a pretty solid year by anyone's standards. I mean, he's got a 63.6 completion percentage he's got over a thousand yards passing and he's got eight touchdowns granted he also does have six interceptions to go along with it but it's better when you look at his last year's stats where it was 546 passing yards one touchdown and four picks so it's an improvement and that's good to see from him but would he have really would you have expected him to be making any sort of difference or maybe put a little bit more pressure on the quarterback competition that would have been James Blackman and him and maybe uh, uh, anyone else that came through? I think so, because this would have been in 2019, probably, uh, and that quarterback room was not great in 2019. You had really the the husk, the lifeless husk of Alex Hornibrook. Uh, you had James hey. Black... Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you had James Blackman, who nobody in the program is really too sold on outside of his leadership capabilities, which those are going to be sorely missed when he transfers. Uh, and then Jordan Travis, nobody before Mike Norvell really believed in him as a passer. So I think that if he was in this program, uh, Hockman could have had a chance to make some noise in that quarterback room, but I don't think it really would have changed anything in the long run for for Florida State. Yeah, and we can talk a little bit about more about FSU's offense right here. We we saw a bit more of the Wildcat. The Wild Cam came back minus the Cam, mm -hmm. and it was really run by Jay Sean Corbin. He took the majority of those snaps, and it, it did okay, I'd say. It didn't look too great for its first time out there really in consistent fashion. Uh, do you think this is something that Florida State keeps up, or was it just a one-time sort of thing? Because it didn't look like... This hasn't been something we've seen a lot out of them this year, but maybe it starts ramping up as we head into some other games? I think you could see it a little bit more, because there's the argument to be made that this was just a one-time thing for Chelba in his first start to kind of take some pressure off of him, which I can completely understand. But, I mean, there were a couple nice runs there, like the one on fourth down where uh, 
uh, I, I'm blanking on his name. You just said it. Um, Corbin. Corbin. Jay Sean Corbin. My bad. Uh, took it into the end zone, fourth and short. I think that was like a 20-some-odd yard run. And mm-hmm. then there was a 10-plus yard run at about midfield. So those were some of the more encouraging plays there. Um, and if Jordan Travis is able to come back, whether it be for Clemson or UVA, or if he's pushed back all the way to Duke, we don't we don't even know the severity of his injury. But it, I think it would be nice to incorporate some of the Wildcat formation plays in there to kind of ease him back into the swing of things. We also saw a little bit of Tate again this weekend. Yeah. Tate didn't, not too great yeah. of a weekend. I mean, but what can you expect when he hasn't really touched the field since JSU? And you throw him kind of in the middle of the game there for a few snaps, and he goes three for five with a pick. So not too great. I mean, it's really what we expect out of him, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he keeps progressing throughout the rest of the year in the off season. Another thing that I found interesting, I know we mentioned this last week, FSU and fourth down conversions. They really didn't do. They did nothing. They, I think they were one for three against Pitt yeah. a couple weeks ago, and they were five for seven this time against NC State. So a lot better with the efficiency there. Granted, I also think it helped that it was a lot of more of uh, short yardage situations when it came to fourth down. They went with the numbers guys and and they came up right majority of the time it were you i don't know is it's it was a tough one to really make a choice on but do you think that was, those are the right moves I mean, especially when they have to be aggressive in those sort of situations i think so yeah when you're down big and you're trying to instill some confidence into your younger guys then and the situation is appropriate then i'm all for going for it on fourth down i think there was one drive it, it might have been the one that was capped off with the uh the 20-some-odd-yard Wildcat touchdown that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, where they had three fourth-down situations and converted all three of them en route to scoring. So great stuff there. And, I mean, like you said, it was a lot of short yardage scenarios, but does it really matter? Because you're going for it on fourth down. That's a high-pressure situation, regardless of if it's fourth and one or fourth and 20. So, I mean, the fact that they were able to convert those, keep drives going, is really encouraging for me. Yeah, it was, it's certainly a lot. It's a better performance than that than the pick game. Yeah. Great also because... The second half, it wasn't as bad as it was, and they didn't have any injuries this time around. There was no uh, Jordan Travis. Who <laughs> who's, was, who's left to get injured? Yeah. Ex- oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, there's a whole lot of guys in that football field. It's about 22 of them, I'd say, right, right. now. But it's going to be tough because I think Jordan Travis, it is a concussion for him. So oh, is that right? odds are that he probably won't be back for Clemson. I think they would take it easy on him just because how, pe- how people are tr- uh, treating concussions nowadays where it is. Uh, it's a greater subject of care mm-hmm. and uh, caution, so I don't expect him to be doing that. I also wouldn't expect them to be throwing him back into throwing him to the wolves first game back from an injury against the, one of the best teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be one heck of a game. Or so we're probably going to see Trevor Purdy again for this game against Clemson, and he's going to be going up against Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going to be back. He is now cleared for COVID, even though he was for some reason on the sideline at that game at Notre Dame. Who knows? <laughs> Interesting choice there by him and the Clemson staff. But they will be coming down, taking their talents back down to Tallahassee for the first time since that whooping on the Seminoles where uh, some fans took to reading books in the stands. And I believe he's actually a professor at Florida State. I don't know his name, but they'll be coming down to take on Florida State at noon on Saturday. Is there any chance Florida State wins this game? Let's just talk. Let's just address the let's address the elephant in the room. Is there a chance? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> like I mean, there, there's always a chance. Like there is a small, like like a snowball's chance, and you know where. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. But I mean, any any given Saturday. That that's the saying. I mean, any given Sunday. But let's apply it to college football. Any given Saturday. But I mean, 
I don't think it's within the realm of possibility that FSU wins this game, just considering the injuries, the departures, uh, the uncertainty on defense. I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a field day with this, with this team. If you want to talk about quantifiably so how much of a chance does FSU have, ESPN's FPI matchup predictor is giving FSU a 2.4% chance of winning this game. So, hey, that's, that's wow. a chance. It's a chance. Generous. They are getting a chance to win this football game. And if you want to get specific about Vegas in their terms, Florida State comes in as 34.5-point underdogs. So that is a that's I think that's the widest margin I've ever seen yeah. during my time here at Florida State for any game that Florida State is in, regardless of if they're the underdogs or not. Yeah, and heading into this matchup, uh, just I, I have some stats, some national stats, uh, where FSU ranks in the uh, the national landscape, and in, in some important stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you heard on the broadcast Saturday night that FSU is 15th out of 15 in the ACC in a whole lot of categories. I heard that when I was listening back to the uh, the condensed game footage on YouTube, mm-hmm. but that got me curious. I wanted to see where they fit in the national landscape. Out of 126 qualified teams, that is 126 teams that have played a game so far. They are 111th in third down defense, giving up third down almost half the time, 48.5%. 122nd in penalties per game, 126th, so dead last, in total penalties. And then when, when we average it out to penalty yards per game, uh, that's 121st, so not as bad there. But just going down the list, 113th in sacks allowed, 108th in team sacks, that's 3.5 surrendered and 1.25 gained, so... Those stats are already not that great, and going up against the juggernaut that is Clemson, I expect them to dip down even more for the ones that can dip down. That those those stats are nauseating. No, yeah, <laughs> it's and especially for the total penalties because this will be if that result holds there, this will be the fourth year in a row Florida State finishes in that bottom five mm-hmm. when it comes to total penalties because they just have not been good. And this game was probably one of their best games when it came to penalties in against NC State where they only had six. So I mean, it's. It feels like an upgrade. It feels a little bit better, but maybe it's only because there haven't been as many teams playing right now or not getting as many games that Florida State has. So that's why Florida State is kind of blowing other people. Like, who's? do you have the sheet up with you, or just did you just write down those stats? Um, I have the I have the stats right here. Which one are you looking the at? Total, looking at? The total penalties, because I'm sure if you look at that stat there, it's Florida State, a couple other teams, and then there's a wide margin between the next couple. Let's see. Total penalties... Uh, give me a second here. Because it really, it doesn't feel like a stat that there's going to be a lot of like congestion towards the back end. It might be a few, like five or six teams in back there, and then you're going to have like about a 20-digit uh, gap between the next few. Yeah, so Florida State, as I mentioned, is in this bottom. Or they're actually at the bottom in total penalties here. They have mm-hmm. 643. Uh, the Or actually, that's penalty yards. My okay. bad. Oh, my God. That was, <laughs> was, was going to be... I said that. I was like, oh, my yeah, Lord. That that's is, a lot of that penalties. Is not, uh, that's not accurate. But <laughs> that's yeah. not, like that... Okay, if we're... <laughs> yes, yeah, so second, second, second most is uh, UCF with 73, and that goes 72, 68, 67, whatever. So it is a little a little bit congested at the, at the yeah. very bottom. And then once you get into, like, the mid-50s, it starts to get some separation there. Mm-hmm. But there, there's just some real stinkers, and FSE was one of them. Yeah, and we're, we're going to see this Clemson team kind of be coming out here to play with their hair on fire because this yeah. is uh, Clemson post-loss to Notre Dame. They've mm-hmm. lost their number one ranking. They're number four now in the nation. And they have a bye week, too. I have a bye week, too, even more dangerous because now Trevor Lawrence has had an extra week to recover. He's had three weeks to recover from uh, any sort of illnesses or body aches that he may have had during coronavirus. So they they're going to be dangerous. Like we all know, they're probably there's a very good chance of them 
covering that spread, that 34-and-a-half-point spread. They would need to win by 35 to win. But do we want to even give predictions for this game? I'm, I, I'm not going to give one, but I did just get a text from my mom that, that just said 52-17. Oh, my goodness. I, I think there was one before that said, we are screwed. So, <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, I, that that's hers. I'm not going to be even that generous to FSU, and I'm not going to put my prediction out there. So thank you for the contribution, but you're alone. I th- the biggest win for Florida State this weekend will be the fact that this is a noon game. Yes. And that's all get it out of the way early. Get it out of the way early. like a band-aid. Yep, let's get to the rest of the games of the weekend. We'll be out of there by 4 o'clock or so. Do we... Okay, so I know you usually see this when it comes to kind of the later game, or like the early season games where you got like Clemson against the Citadel, or like you got those other like good teams against really bad teams, where they shave off time or just make it a running clock in the second half do we see that mer- I, sort of mercy rule I think, effect i think that would be a little offensive given that it's two teams from the same conference but there's a it's a 30 it's almost a 35 point spread yeah it's that's what you see for those sort of games those early season like fau against alabama games with yeah. a, with a conference rivalry like this you're if i'm going to be completely honest if, if the shoe were on the other foot uh and we were marching into death valley as the number two, number what, number three, number four, rank four t- team in the nation, and you have an opportunity to make Clemson howl at home. You absolutely take that every time. Well, they well Florida State did that in 2013. They won 51 to like 13 in mm-hmm. Death Valley. So and I mean, Clemson they... has returned in kind both in Death Valley and uh, here at Doe Campbell Stadium. Yeah. So they're they're going the past three years. They're pretty much yeah. They're going to go for the trifecta then with this one, or at least they're going to they're going to try and make it because I think last year was Florida was one of Florida State's, if not Florida State's, worst away loss at Clemson, and then the year before that was Florida State's worst home loss mm-hmm. in in school history. They might be trying to set both. They might just try and take the worst overall loss and the worst home loss again this year. I think it's very real. I'd say I'd say Clemson at least touches fifty this time around. I think that's completely that's, fair. Yeah, that's a that's a under that might be they might touch sixty. Who knows? I mean, like you, you look at what FSU has given up in in past games: thirty four, thirty eight, forty eight. So I mean, it's it's entirely possible because yeah. Clemson is a tier above, at least one tier above those teams that FSU has played recently. So. 50, I think it's conservative. Yeah, either way, it's going to be a route this Saturday. I don't know if we can be expecting all too much from that one, but no. let's 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 shift gears a little bit. Something that we haven't talked about, we touched a little bit on a couple weeks ago. We'll talk about FSU basketball next week for sure because the season gets underway on Black Friday when they take on Gardner Webb in the Tucker Center. So we'll talk about that for sure in a couple in next week's show. But Florida State soccer, they have taken the ACC women's soccer title. This year, as they took down number two or the number two team in the ACC, North Carolina, three to two in the final match or in the finals on Sunday afternoon. That was a great game. Uh, was it they? Was who is it? It was Claire Roberts. Yeah, she got up. She gave the Knolls a two nothing lead very early on with a header off a corner in the like the second minute of the game, mm. and then she had a strike from outside the eighteen to put it off the right uh, off the right uh, post and in to give them a nice lead and then UNC started to creep their way back once Florida State got up 3 nothing, and then they got a goal in like the 85th 80, or 80, 88th I think 88th minute yep uh just at the end of the game but they weren't able to get a comeback going what is this where does the cement Mark Corian's status in the ACC soccer like coaching like hierarchy because I know like everyone always talks about UNC and their coaching staff and they talk about every other there's a ton of other schools that they go on and on about but you never really feel like he, Kerkorian gets the respect he deserves. 
That's true. And I feel like after this run, after, I mean, going up 3 nothing on UNC just after the first half, I mean, they were able to get two goals later. But to make it such a lopsided affair when nobody really expected that, uh, I think serves to really improve his legacy. Uh, FSU, like they've been competing uh, in the ACC with UNC, competing on the national landscape in recent years. And even then, he hasn't really gotten the respect he deserves. So while there is no national championship to be to be won right now, this is the highest achievement that he could get so far. So I think this definitely cements his legacy as one of the one of the current goats. I think you got to feel like with the, his legacy or with in the recent years, people have probably been writing him off like, oh, he's not that great of a coach because he's had Dana Castellanos exactly, running the show. Yeah. And it's you don't really need to do that much coaching when it comes to Dana. She is one of the best, if not the, or she was the best amateur player in the world at the time when she was at Florida State. That's why she's now at that uh, Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. over across the pond. But I really do believe he is, if not, he's if he's one of the best, top three, if not the best coach in the ACC at this moment because mm-hmm. this should have been a rebuilding year. This should have been a year where they didn't really compete for a title. Maybe they were hanging in the top five in the ACC and maybe won a couple games in the tournament, but they just dominated all in all facets of the game. They never trailed for us a minute, not even a second this season. And going into this game against UNC, UNC only trailed for 20 seconds going into that, this game. And they made UN, they had UNC on their heels for that whole first half. And that's something you just wouldn't expect. And so just hats off to coach Corian and his team there. They did a phenomenal job this season. And they're going to have to wait a long time because it's going to be about till April where they can defend and make a run at that title for the national title uh, when the tournament gets underway because a lot of teams delayed for the spring season. So they got to do a lot of practicing. I'm expecting, I don't think they've announced it yet, but are they doing a uh, spring like exhibition schedule? I have no idea. Um, I don't know what the ACC is doing. I do know that, like you said, some other conferences are playing their seasons in spring. So, I mean, if... COVID willing, COVID willing, uh, FSU is going to have the chance to make a run at that national title. I have no idea as far as exhibition, uh, if it would just be for teams that would be in contention for the national title, or if they would want to bring the entire ACC back to get some some uh, some reps in. Who knows? You got to hope they're giving them some sort of exhibition schedule because they can't go and just practice for like three or four months because that's not going to do you any good when it comes to getting into real speed games against teams that are in mid in midseason form. Exactly. So they're gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch and uh, certainly keep your eye on Florida State soccer as we kind of make our way through the spring because we'll probably hit them up with some more updates and all that once we get closer to the NCAA tournament. But let's talk a little bit about the college football landscape as a whole now. We got uh, we got our old friend Jim Harbaugh coming back. He's yep. he, we're bringing him up again for about like the third week or four week fourth week in a row. Because, and not for good reasons, once again, <laughs> every single time it's not been for good reason. I feel like there's never a time to talk about Harbaugh unless it's a bad reason. You never say, oh, he's such a great coach right now. It's always, oh, he's on the chopping block. And rightfully so, because they got beat pretty bad by Wisconsin, 49-11. to 11. The Wolverines are now 1-3 on the season. What is... Where is Urban Meyer? Is he coming in to take the job anytime soon? I don't know if it's Urban Meyer. That was a, a funny joke, I will admit. I pat myself on the back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, caught y'all unawares with that one. But well, I, I, I do think that uh, Jim Harbaugh is the, – the seat is getting a little warmer. Uh, did you see who's picked up on your – it seems as though he might be he might be a listener to Tomahawk Talk. Uh, did you see who picked up on the Urban Meyer maybe to Michigan take? I, I did not. Stu Gotts of the Dan Lebitard really? show. I was li- okay. I was listening to their show earlier this morning, and he yeah. said, 
Urban Meyer Michigan Collision Course. Ooh, so I'm he, a fan of his. He's a fan of mine now. That's 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 high praise. There you go. Game respects game. So yeah. I, I'm with the. I really. I don't. Urban's time is limited right There's, now. Maybe they. Hey, maybe they hire Franklin from Penn State. Yeah, maybe I mean, just a the, little coach swap. They're going south too. I don't know how thrilled the Michigan fan base would be by that move, considering they're 0-4 right now. Penn State is, but. It's entirely possible, just shuffling around retread coaches. Yeah, why not? Gentlemen, would you not agree that Big Ten drama is the best drama? Oh, yeah. It's Big very Ten funny. drama never disappoints. Th- that and SEC. SEC gets up there when you got, like, the Hugh Freeze, some of the Joey Freshwater, Lane Kiffin talk. Like, that. <laughs> some of the, is, those are my favorite stories out there when it comes to this college football I mean, landscape. The whole season last year was capped off by probably the best unsportsmanlike conduct call oh, oh. we've ever seen. The, and well, it came out of the SEC. Well, that was Brilliant. things. That was almost a year ago this week, because that was the Egg Bowl last that year. Bowl. That was yep. the Egg Bowl. It was Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Oh, I was watching that game with my dad. We were dying, laughing on the couch. What a game <laughs> that one was! But yeah, Urban My- or John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, whatever. John Harbaugh, might, his job might not be safe either after what we saw last yeah. night against the Pats. That was but tough. Grand- Grand Bill Belichick did turn on the rain machine in that last <laughs> drive, but we'll get to the NFL later. But yeah, Harbaugh, your job ain't too safe at the moment. But we did have some also some postponements in the SEC and the Big Ten. We had four SEC games get canceled slash postponed. And we did have Ohio State-Maryland, which I was looking forward to. I really was excited for that one, especially the way Talia Tagovailoa has been playing recently after that first after that bad loss to Northwestern to open up their season. Are you do and I know we also I actually did also see there is a rumor that maybe the playoff delays the uh, actual playing of the playoffs for a bit just to maybe give some teams some time to recruit uh, recoup and uh, get everything settled going into bowl season. Is there any chance that that was like a major delay happening to college football, or are we just going to get these little game here, game there sprinkled in? I think if it if it gets bad enough that say the Big Ten is only able to play like the big contenders in the Big Ten are only able to play four or five games, then you could see that um, because they're just not going to have a lot of real game opportunities to uh, to get set for whether it be the playoffs or the New Year's Six or whatever bowl they're going to. So if the Big Ten is hurt in, in such a way, uh, because they don't have any, any flexibility with their schedule right now, they would have to just flat out cancel a game like they did for Ohio State and Maryland. They can't just move it to a bye week. There are no bye weeks in the Big Ten. So if that situation arises, I could definitely see the, the, the playoff being moved back a couple weeks or three weeks to accommodate for that. I'm going to piggyback off of Austin here, and I definitely agree that you have to take whoever is going to be in that top four into context when really determining whether or not um, extending the playoff or pushing back the playoff is on the table uh, for the NCAA. Uh, I think if you see if Notre Dame remains in the top four, it's just cleans out the rest of the uh, the ACC, maybe loses a game to uh, Clemson at the very end. Um, if you have just teams up that, that are up north that are maybe more um, predisposed to being, you know, uh, playing, prevent, uh, predisposed to playing it safe, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. uh, playing it safe with the virus, then you might see a pushback. But if it's all going to be southern teams... If if Clemson comes roaring back, if Notre Dame stumbles, if um, Alabama um, remains atop the uh, AP poll, if Florida comes back um, and just wins out the uh, SEC apart from the Bama game or whatever, um, which would be the ch- SEC championship, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, then I think you'll you'll 
you'll see less of a, a push to see that. I think the the teams, unless it's it's really bad, where there's where there's maybe half a dozen or a full dozen players on any of these given programs uh, that are out under uh, the protocols, then I'd, I'd really think that you know the the geographical context of where these teams are playing or uh, which um, state uh, administrations they're playing under um, is something that we're gonna have to take a look at down the road in in January or maybe even December. I I really do see the only way a major delay comes is if you do see Ohio State lose a game. If Ohio State loses a game and they maybe their season ends on a lost game and then because they have a couple more games at the end of their season get delayed or canceled, I think the committee says hold up, hold up, hold up. We gotta they gotta play these games. Mm-hmm. We gotta get they gotta come in here. Like they there might be a little bit of funny business coming into this playoff this year. It might just be a little bit of convenient delays coming around the corner, but. We'll get into our college football playoff predictions because we do have the first playoff ranking coming out tomorrow night. We will be giving out our top four at the beginning of the second half in just a few minutes because you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. want to kill a moment for the moment but they cannot kill what cannot die there wasn't ever really an opponent for what they figured was only three human and they thought they couldn't slay by disconnecting for the truth but look your brother george is back again and never did look fine i said it's time to gather up another meeting of the i said they couldn't could have kill him in america can't either man he been sleeping since 718 time to feed a really sip a little sum he up in a cadillac with little bobby hutton riding shoddy with the shoddy swooping up the cousins they swooping for your blood bobby seal is at the door but they group up at the club and brother elder just keeping souls on ice for the time was just right now suffice this emory got the scene drawn up nice and a feeny here with pocket thug life kathleen black and beautiful as a model was out of up in sipping the bloody capital vinyl with Hill it on the seat next to a baby sitting in the rattle waiting for him to say something private. That mother following to the night, let it swallow eyes on the sparrow tomorrow. You know the mirror is hollow when night is airing. The call is after the rest of the model of effervescence when all of it manifested. They never bothered to question while calling for the depressed to murder. Yes, they never knew it was a test to best assess the way to move in and digest the flesh of every wicked human to the best and blackest blood is back to ruling Prince Stoke Lee. Done told y'all. Have no fear. So how come every time to be like, yeah, 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 y'all look scared? Look back. Blood on the ground. Look straight. They still shooting. Jump back. Still here. Now what that tell you about death? Death ain't. You got to drink it up. Drink it up. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We left you all off with some with a teaser of our college football playoff rankings because they do come out tomorrow from ESPN on their platforms, and we will find out who the official top four in the nation are and the top rest of that top twenty-five there. But really, who cares? It's only the top twenty-five that we care about, or top four that we care about. But because uh, we've really only just been dealing with the AP and the coaches polls as of recently so let's get into it do we want to go kind of who's our who's each our number four or do we want to just give it out who's our top four I would say just top four 
Just, All right. just to get it out of the way. Let's start with you, Austin. I would have to go Bama 1, Notre Dame 2, Ohio State 3, Clemson 4. Just pretty much chalk, but I, th- I think Clemson does get the benefit of the doubt despite the loss. Uh, there are some undefeated group of five teams uh, th- that could make it make a case, but Clemson's uh, dominance outside of that one game against Notre Dame is going to carry them to the four seed, for now at least. Sebastian, do you have anything? I do, actually. Let's see it. Uh, Bama 1, Ohio State 2. Ooh. Uh, Notre Dame 3, Clemson 4. Um, I don't think that that counts really as ACC bias because the other one would obviously be, like, what, like Florida at this point mm-hmm. as a number 4. Um, as we've – it really boils down to how uh, either championship goes. If the ACC uh, championship is a run back by Clemson and it's a blowout and it's bad, then you might see uh, Notre Dame bumped it down. If you see the same thing in um, if like Florida wins um, against Bama for the SEC championship, then you might see like Bama, or Florida sneak into that four position. Um, I'm biting my tongue while I say this; it, it pains me greatly. <laughs> but uh, Florida is—I know we—I we, tried. Uh, I've, I've avoided talking about Florida, but I, I really can't any longer. The spectacular program. We're gonna have to address them sooner or later. Yeah. We're gonna have to really address them because I know we jokingly address them like, "Okay, well, it's Florida. Haha, we're gonna poke fun. They're not gonna beat Bama, which they aren't." They're but not. yeah, we'll we'll get into them in a couple of weeks when things maybe start to get a bit more serious because they did play a great game this past weekend and they do put up a ton of points even without Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. out there but we also are joined by our V89 anchor Max Escarpio Max how are you doing and do you have a top four for us yeah I'm doing great for my top four right now would for sure be Alabama then Ohio State and then Clemson and then Notre Dame Notre Dame looked good against Clemson but we still need to see him with Trevor Lawrence and UF is creeping in there Kyle Trask is, is in the is in the race for the Heisman this year. I, I kind of like that putting, I don't know about putting, you said Ohio State at two or Clemson at two? No, I put Ohio State at two. Ohio right. State at two, Clemson three, Clemson Notre Dame four. Notre Dame. Okay. I kind of like putting uh, Clemson above Notre Dame because you are right, they didn't beat a Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. And I think that game does end up differently if he is in there. So that's a fair assumption to make. But I don't think you guys are, you guys aren't gonna like what I'm doing with my college football playoff oh ranking. Boy. It's oh, oh, I'm, go, I'm, go. I'm gonna do it. Gary's <laughs> gonna, always got to be out there. I, we all can't just choose these same four teams. We all, reset some, the timer. It's been zero days since Gary Putnick has had shenanigans on Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, I'm coming in with a lot of shenanigans. I'm going with Alabama number one. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Notre Dame at number two because they have played their schedule. They've played their schedule. They didn't ask to not get Trevor Lawrence. And they could have lost. They could have lost uh, without a Trevor Lawrence there. And what we've said about them then, but they won. So they played their schedule. They won. Then they we're gonna go with we're gonna go with Clemson at three, and then we are going to go with the Cincinnati Bearcats at number four. Get Ohio State out of here. They've only played three uh. games, and their best game, their best game they played, has been against Penn State. That's the best team. Yeah. Or sorry, the best team they've played. So what are we really saying about this team and about the, and who they're going up against? And I know you could say, oh, they played Rutgers. But they played Rutgers, and Rutgers maybe isn't that good. They're pretty good, but not that good. But Cincinnati, they've played a great schedule. And I was thinking about putting BYU in this. I was, I, was I was flipping BYU and Cincinnati. I was going back and forth. But it ultimately came down to the fact that Cincinnati has more top 25 wins than BYU. I like BYU. I love what they're doing over there in Provo. But the Cincinnati team is a lot better. They have a lot better of a defense than BYU. And they are really going to be tested coming down the stretch here. They got UCF this weekend, Temple, and then uh, Tulsa. 
So we really will see what they do have in the tank. And who knows, if we do get a couple more losses by some of these teams, it's going to it's tough to deny a top a team that has won it would if we're saying their schedule holds and rankings hold, they'll have played three top twenty five teams, they'll have beaten three top twenty five teams, and they'll have won their conference. Are you going to say that team is worse than a team that was only played a six-game schedule and lost one of them and won a conference title? I feel like we have this discussion every single week, <laughs> and, and, and it gets tougher and tougher every week because Ohio State, well, they didn't win this weekend because they didn't have a game to play that they could win, but Ohio State has won all the games they've played so far. And, I mean, really the only scenario that I could see a BYU or a Cincinnati sneaking in, even if they do win out, is if Notre Dame beats Clemson again because at that point Clemson would just be out of it. And if Alabama beats FSU in the SEC championship game, because there would be no second team from the SEC. Mm-hmm. Be- so I-, I think that's really the only route for a group of five team to even sniff the playoff this year. Yeah, I I would like to see it. I realistically would because like they don't get the love they deserve. I know we bash on Luke Fay for his love of uh, UCF and yeah. where he puts them, but they do deserve a seat at this table because like there are some teams that are, do play well enough and especially in the year like 2020 why not why not just throw one in there and see what happens like they'll probably get whooped up on by bama or whoever's number one but hey why not <laughs> uh, honestly i i have to agree with you uh gary at first when 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 you said oh i'm up to shenanigans i, I couldn't pin who you're going to say and then i was like oh my gosh he's gonna say cincinnati and i i it would be pretty funny though after what two years, three years of of UCF dominance in the AAC, you finally get all right, all right, come on, Cincinnati, not you, not you, Cincinnati, come on. It'd be it'd be it'd be banter by the NCAA playoff committee. It'd be it'd be funny. It's the bouncer at the door. The college football playoff is the bouncer, and then you have UCF trying to get in, and they're like, oh, I know that person, I know that they're pointing, <laughs> and they're pointing at Auburn, and Auburn's like, I don't know, I don't know that person. Like they're doing like, no, 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 no. And then Cincinnati comes up. is like, yeah, I, can I get in? And he's like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> that would be it. So I really do think there might be a chance this year, depending on how the chaos of the college football season ends up. That's what I'll be rooting for, because when it comes to my teams being out of it, I root for chaos. And yep. this is what I'm going for here. We're going for a Cincinnati-BYU playoff and Cincinnati-BYU national title game. <laughs> what if at the rankings reveal show, is it tomorrow night, right? Mm-hmm. What if, just since, since 2020 has just been crazy, what if the committee comes out and says, hey, we are adding two more playoff spots this year to account for some teams that may have lost games, some teams that may have played perfect seasons in other conferences. Have at it. But let's bring the top six in this year. Well, then you ha- then you have to put Cincinnati. Yeah. In. There's yeah. no doubt about that. You have to add it. I know, Max. Do you? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I really do believe you have to include either BYU or the best at large team has to get a seat there. Yeah, I mean, if they have to have if they had to add two more, I'd definitely put. I mean, I would put. I wouldn't put BYU. I would put Cincinnati and US. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. But what if... Okay, so we're going with the 16 playoff. See, if yeah. there's a 16 playoff, then you have to... Like, a one-loss season is completely delegitimized in my eyes. Because you... you Like, in order for... If the playoff is larger than the, than the standard, like, goes up, right? If you have this pool of undefeated teams currently, uh, then you absolutely... You... you What's the point of of bringing in the loser of the ACC championship? What's the point of bringing in the loser well, of the SEC championship? Well, so what it means for having a sixteen playoff? What at least how I would interpret it, and how I would probably create my rankings around it, I would go the you take every conference champion from the Power Five. So you got ACC, SEC, Pac twelve, Big tw- or no, you, yeah, Big Ten or Big Ten and Big Twelve. You take all of them. 
and then you take the best at-large team. You take the best group of five. You take the best non-Power 5 school. And so that would be Cincinnati. So you, it really would make it a fair playoff in a way. I really do believe it's the best. That would be the best system. Six teams would be perfect. But but then you get into the argument of like, if, if Clemson does beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game and they both finish with one loss, is the second place team in the ACC better than whatever the Pac-12 or uh, Big 12 puts out? Well, yeah. See, that's that's where it all comes down to there. But I really, but I think they're. I think the, they do have to come to a decision on how they really establish who gets in it if they do decide to go to a six-team pool. And it would. I really. They. It's tough to say. Like you can't just deny the conference champion a spot yeah. in that playoff because they played their schedule and they earned a spot. They should earn a spot. I know that was a whole big discussion when it was TCU Baylor. A few